I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Casting your bread while the eyes of the idol with the iron head are glowing. Distant ships sailing into the mist. You were born with a snake in both of your fists while a hurricane was blowing. Freedom just around the corner for you. But with the truth so far off, what good will it do? Joker man dance to the nightingale tune. Bird fly high by the light of the moon. Oh, 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 Joker man. So swiftly the sun sets in the sky. You rise up and say goodbye to no one. Fools rush in where angels feel to tread. Both other futures so full of dread, you don't show one. Shedding off one more layer of skin, keeping one step ahead of the persecutor within. Joker man dance to the nightingale tune. Bird fly high by the light of the moon. Oh, 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 Joker man. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly, and joining us this week to talk about this extraordinary song, Joker Man, the opening track from 1983's Infidels, is my longtime pal, Tyrone Biljan. Hi, Tyrone. Hey, Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm thrilled to have you here now. I've known Tyrone for a long time. He is a, uh, I would say, almost like a renaissance man in terms of the different skills that you have. Well, thank you. Um, but the the thing that, that made me want to invite you onto the show is that you did a cover of Joker Man, which is extraordinary. And we will get to that later on in the show. I, I really love it, and you're going to play a little bit for us uh, later on in the show, which is really exciting because, I, again, I love having musicians on the show because, as I've, as I've said many times before, I know nothing about the construction of, of, of songs or of music, so I'm so impressed with anyone I know knows how to do it. Um, but I, I need to ask you, since this is your first time on the show, like, how did you come to appreciate the work of Bob Dylan? Well, it goes back um, in college, I think, and it's like typical story, I think, with a lot of fans, I, I think. Um, I really, you know, he was, of course, around all the time, and he was like in the background and Dylan sort of looming like this cloud. And then when I went into college, I took advertising and marketing. And uh, and basically, it was a weird thing that they did at Sheridan College, where the first year they combine journalism with library techniques to be a librarian and and advertising uh for the first month and i think it was like so if you get different students i guess maybe from different things to, to mix up to see you would like one of the other programs what happened though was i became pretty close friends more with the journalism students than the advertising students actually hmm. gosh we would party together and hang out we'd even in the second year uh, you know rent a townhouse together with myself and three other journalism guys and one of them my friend greg uh greg smith he was really into Dylan, and he would play guitar too. And at that time too, I kind of did, I stopped. Uh, you know, when you, when you, you're in high school, other things come on, cars, whatever. And, and then when I got into college, and you're on your own, the guitar became a friend again. And um, I picked it up, and Greg played uh, a lot of different folk stuff. And so him and I would start to learn to jam uh, a little bit here on different songs that I'd like, and I like you know more of the '60s type of stuff. 
Beatles, Monkeys, The Who, stuff. That was the stuff I would gravitate to. And he had appreciation of it. Then he would bring out the Dylan stuff. And um, and it was just, oh, this is pretty cool. And I, and I understand and looking over the lyrics for, for what he was doing, and I grew, I grew the appreciation of it. And then later on in our second year, we went to a local Holiday Inn where we got brave enough to, uh, which was like the pub hangout for our college. And we would do a Wednesday night uh, sing-song session, basically. like go, He would do the mic for a set, and I would do a mic for a 20-minute set, vice versa. And we would do that like about through the night. And it was just uh, a fun experience. And all we got paid for, Rob, was just, was just uh, our meal and a pitcher of beer to split between the two of us. <laughs> it was like classic, you know? And then then got to the whole thing where people were um it became like a truck stop area because i guess it wasn't a big area for trucks that could stop off of the the main highway and uh so it got kind of scary after the you know the first couple of nights your college friends turn out yeah yeah boom boom everybody gets has a happy time and then this it sort of dribbles off and then the truckers would come in and there's a dartboard behind us and they'd start wanting to play darts and get ang- anxious about it they didn't want to hear songs <laughs> and they wanted to get the darts out and start tossing them between us and we're darts and this and this is like i think this this gig is over here greg <laughs> but that's where i basically learned about the appreciation of it and then went on you know, a couple years after on my own it really it really came with uh, i'm not there and i went into it and i just i just loved it and i loved the appreciation i loved how the artistry uh, that they uh, that was involved with um i guess the expression about what different parts of Dylan's life and stuff like that. And that was, again, I knew little bits of it. Then, of course, the Scorsese uh, documentary with No Direction Home. And, and, of course, like the, you know, then it got into all this stuff with, you know, with Don't Look Back, which is just amazing. And you know all this stuff, too, and I'm sure your listeners do. And then the folk Newport Folk Festival, all that cool stuff. And I still look back at two of the electrical thing at Newport, like, geez, what's the, but the, at the times, you know, the people at the times were so rigid with the, the change to electric, but things like that. And I, but then there's different songs and different lyrics. And then when I was in college too, it was around that time when uh, about 85-ish, I think was when uh, Infidels came out. 83. 83. Oh, okay, great. For me, I, it's, it stuck around that time, maybe because I was fresh and I was discovering it with, through Greg at that time. Um, but Joker Man just hit with me. And when I saw the video, too, you know, Batman, fan with the, they went with the Carmen Infantino uh, image to it. But Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and that, well, that was very cool. And I love Infantino art and you guys, you know, and stuff. And um but just the whole imagery of it and the word and the wordplay he's doing and the and you know and I'm I'm like with a lot of people it's his his uh, lyrics are very interpretive to a, a lot of different things you know and uh, but I just love the imagery of it it's like one of his finest songs and the flow of it too and the production and infidels too that um, I believe with with Mark Knopfler and then um, also with um, you know Sly and Robbie too. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's you know, Mick Taylor and stuff like that, Alan Clark. But these, you know, it, it's it's a great album. It it really is. Like everything on it is is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we do need to give this album a little bit of context. And that coming off of Saved and Shot of Love, which were were relative uh, flops in terms of his career, yeah, uh, D- Dylan realized that he needed to kind of, you know, I mean. Even someone as contrary to commercial uh, concerns as Dylan has been and is, um, you know, he still needed to sell records. Uh, and so he realized that uh, when he was working on 
the, the the songs for infidels he needed to to really kind of make a statement and so he turned to mark knopfler who was of course was in dire straits yeah and to to produce the record and really give it a different sound and this i mean this is a, as i mentioned this is the opening track and you hear that what what is the i i feel such like such a dummy even saying this but what is that sound that we're hearing as the song comes in for the first time like what is that instrument that's playing is it a is it's not a drum it's is it is it the the bass guitar is it the rhythm guitar like what is that that's coming in i, I feel like it's, it's immediately a, uh, this this song sounds different than what we're what we've been hearing in the last couple albums yeah it, it seems like more of a you know like an african beat to it and stuff. yeah um but it's 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 drums it's either drums it might be um like large bongos too that they've used with it um <clears throat> Um, and I'm, I'm not giving it uh, that term too. I'm not like a um, uh, a huge uh, yeah like a, a drummer or anything like that. But I think it's that. But it's that sustaining beat which gives it that flow, and it's beautiful. Um, right. I had heard yeah. about that Dylan had taken a trip actually down to Jamaica on his boat and had sort of really soaked up all the the, the local sounds of there and really fell in love with it. And that's why he came back wanting this kind of sound for them. And it's really. As much as it is Mark Knopfler, I would you already mentioned Sly Dunbar and Robbie Shakespeare on drums, percussion, and bass guitar, respectively. That they really give this album a unique sound, and it, there is no other album in his canon that quite sounds like this. Yeah, and the other thing is that with it, it blends quite nicely with. I mean, you get some great uh, licks, uh, guitar licks from Mark Knopfler on it. With, and then with Sly and Robbie with their beat, it's just it's just amazing, you know. He soars on it. That, and this is Nofler, I think, pretty much right on the cusp of, of I mean, with his big fame stuff that was going on in the early '80s too, right? With mm-hmm. Dire Straits and everything. Right. I mean, Mark Knopfler was a huge rock act at that point. He was very very successful. And yeah, I mean, this one of the things I love about the song is that it is so. I mean, clearly this it's got this this figure walking around. Uh, the you know the the world and he's you know clearly some sort of apocalyptic figure yeah uh, but yet I mean I've never really been able to pin down exactly what's going on in the song at any given point and one of the things I like about Joker Man is that the Joker Man himself isn't fully aware of the damage he's causing which I really find interesting as opposed yeah. there's a, there's another song on the album on side two called Man of Peace yes. which is very similar to Joker Man and that to me is more straightforward and that. The guy in that song, the man of peace, is quite clearly a destructive figure. He knows he's a destructive figure, and he's hiding his destructiveness. He's hiding his wicked ways mm-hmm. to to get what he wants. Joker Man seems almost more like a blundering idiot. He's he's, yeah. he's ruining the world, but he himself isn't aware of all the things that he's doing. And it's the narrator that's sort of pointing that out, which I find really quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um yeah, it is apocalyptic when I'm when I'm when I look through it and stuff. And then there's some such great verses too, you know, like the, right. I mean, the uh, well, it's a shadowy world, you know, with sky right. slippery gray, like birth to the prince today, dressed up in scarlet. You know, yeah. that that's like just fantastic. Um, right, it's a very very wordy song. I mean, he got let me just give a little couple more of the lyrics here. As he moves on, he says, "You're a man of the mountains. You can walk on the clouds. Manipulator of crowds. You're a dream twister." Oh yeah. 
You're going to Sodom and Gomorrah, but what do you care? Ain't nobody there would want to marry your sister. Friend to the martyr, a friend to the woman of shame. You look into the fiery furnace, see the rich man without any name. Then we have the, the refrain again. And then, well, the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the law of the jungle and the sea are your only teachers. In the smoke of the twilight on a milk-white steed, Michelangelo indeed could have carved out your features. Resting in the fields, far from the turbulent space, half asleep neath the stars, with a small dog licking your face. I love that line about the small dog licking your face because it, it, that's a very kind of peaceful, warm image, and yet he's yeah. talking about this really terrible person. Yeah, and, and it came in like uh, around the was it the Reagan era too? Sure. So that that could could have been an interpretation of what he saw or what the world was. This is before um, all the stuff going on with um, with Germany and such. North. Um, so I could be reflective of that too, and what his his feelings were in observing the world too. But I mean, it, it's so timeless, and it and and it, it fits today actually. Yeah, I guess it does. Uh, <laughs> I mean, thematically, it does remind me a lot of the groom still waiting at the altar from Shot of Love, which we covered on the show just a couple episodes episodes ago, because it has that same kind of you know craziness going on all over the world, and you have this sort of central figure wandering through it. Um, again, the song goes on. He says, "Well, the rifleman stalking the sick and the lame, future man seeks the same. Who get there first is uncertain." Nightsticks and water cannons, tear gas, pedlocks, monotone cocktails and rocks behind every curtain. False-hearted judges dying in the webs that they spin. Only a matter of time till night comes stepping in. Yeah. And then the, so- the song ends with, It's a shadowy world, skies are slippery gray. A woman just gave birth to a prince today and dressed him in scarlet. He'll put the priest in his pocket, put the blade to the heat, take the motherless children off the street and place them at the feet of a harlot. Oh, Joker man, you know what he wants. Oh, Joker man, you don't show any response. And again, I've been listening to this song for decades now. I still don't have a handle on what is going on at any given point, but I still I, there's just sort of the feeling I get from it, which is, I guess, uh, my, you know, my, it's my, good enough. Yeah, my take is it's reflective of different gen- generations and of different times and different centuries. Um, That's interesting. I never thought of that. And 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 going through time and going through that, and that's the reflection on Joker man. He's he's like he's just like you said. He's I agree. Uh, he's just stumbling along, looking through all this stuff, not really yeah. paying attention. Which, yeah, which is kind of what sort of the state of the world is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, now the original, this the version that was released on the record is uh, an alternate, and that there was Dylan uh, recorded the song with Mark Knopfler. And it has an entirely different set of lyrics, and we'll get to those in a moment. And then after Mark Knopfler left the project. He went back, Dylan went back, and re-recorded uh, a lot of the lyrics uh, yeah. for some of the songs, including Joker Man, some of the other ones. And then he really futzed with the album and that he took off Blind Willie McTell and took off Foot of Pride, two masterpiece songs, and replaced them with Union Sundown, which is a, uh, a, a dubious choice at best. And, you know, in my, my fandom of Dylan, I never know whether... The alternate version, when I like it more than the original, ver- than the version I heard on the record, is that because I, the alternate version is simply more novel? You know, I just don't know it as well. Uh, if Dylan had switched it around, if the original version had made it on the record, and there was this later version that was the quote-unquote bootleg, would I like the bootleg one more? I never know. I, get always, I always find myself kind of like, well, you know, 
the version on the record is terrific. It's but this alternate one is really good too. I you know I I, I never know. It's, it was just you, I can't always trust my own reactions on some of these things. Well, I think a lot of it too is different iterations uh, of uh, his choice on his um, that he wants to go go to. The, any any artist you know that he comes back to a project and looks at it and says you know. I think I'd like to tackle it this way. And it's probably gnawing at him at the back of his head saying, like, mm-hmm. I'd like to go for it. I'd like to try it. And he's obviously Bob Dylan. He has the luxury of doing that, to go back yep. to, to doing his catalog whichever way, you know. And there's the great thing is that the availability, too, for a fan about all these different versions of different songs and done multiple times. Half of it, I wonder if it's so he doesn't get bored of doing it, particularly in live things and he just discovers a different interpretation of it yeah yeah i don't know i mean you're right obviously something about it really bothered him and it's sort of funny because pretty much up until uh, the late 70s dylan never would do new audio tracks he always insisted on performing the song live with the band and if he wanted to do a new version he had to get the whole band together and it was only until the late 70s and that technology became such that it was easy to do uh, new vocal tracks over an existing backing track that he grew more comfortable with that. Uh, he never did a new vocal over a pre-existing backing track until 1970, until Self-Portrait. He literally never had done it before. And then by the time he got to Infidels, he felt quite comfortable. And maybe this was one of those things where if he had had to get all the musicians back and Mark Knopfler back to record the new version, he never would have done it. He might have been, you know, Mark Knopfler might have talked him out of it. He might have said, no, 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 the version he got is great. But because Dylan could go in by himself, put the headphones on and record an entire new vocal of which the lyrics are rewritten, he had that luxury. And some of these lyrics uh, are really remarkable. And uh, a couple of them I do want to mention. And you know where the changes are because a lot of the, the new lyrics will have the same first line of the verse and then he changes it. And so some of the new lines here in this alternate version – uh, the third verse, it's so swiftly the sun sets in the sky. You rise up and say goodbye to no one. No store-bought shirt for you on your back. One of the women must sit in the, sa- in, sit in the shack and sew one, shedding off one more layer of skin, keeping one step ahead of the persecutor within. I mean, I, the, the version on the record is great, but man, the no store-bought shirt for you on your back one of the women must sit in the sack and sew one. That's a hell of a rhyme. Oh, it, it's a, yeah, and again, it's showing with the the the. To me, it's showing the elitism. Um, you know that this this fool, this 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 character, or um, you know who's above it all and can't. Anyways, and it's uh, it's 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 beautiful. Yeah, it's a it made when I first time I heard, it, I was like, whoa, wait, what is what is that? Uh, later on, he goes on, you're a man of the mountains. You can walk on the clouds, manipulator of crowds. You're a dream twister. You're going to Sodom and Gomorrah, but what do you care? Ain't nobody there would want to marry your sister. Scratching the world with a fine-tooth comb. You're a king among nations. You're a stranger at home. Yeah. So you're like, okay, we got that. And then he goes on. He says, now the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the law of the jungle and the seer, you're only teachers. No crystal ball do you need on your shelf. Michelangelo himself could have carved out your features. So drunk, standing in the middle of the street, directing traffic with a small dog <laughs> licking your feet. So we got the, the small dog again. Yeah. But I, I love that visual of the Joker man as this sort of drunken fool 
pointing around and people are sort of laughing at him. That is, an, again, another amazing image that I'm sorry to see that got lost for the, 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 the album version. That's beautiful, too. Yeah, that's amazing. So, And then the final change, he says, well, the preacher man talking about the deaf and the dumb and a world to come that's already been predetermined. Nightsticks and water cannons, tear gas, pedlocks, Molotov cocktails and rocks can drown out his sermon. You let the wicked walk right into a trap. You give away all good things that fall in your lap. Again, the idea of a, a preaching about a world to come that's already been predetermined. That, again, another line just really stuck in my brain when I heard it. The idea of that the whole thing is mapped out and there's not this much. This is it. This, yeah. Yeah, yeah not, not much Joker Man is going to be able to do or anyone's going to be able to do to change what's going to happen. That's, uh, again, and you know the verbal dexterity he's got that he can fit the words predetermined into a song and it and it sort of works. It doesn't jump out of you as awkward. It, 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 it's, amazing. it's sort of a, if you're taking the analogy of uh, the Joker Man as a fool walking through through time or something like that and he's just looking at it he's drunk why not this is all gonna happen or whatever yeah so. yeah it's it said as as it as originally constructed infidels had very specific sides and it was side one was about the world on the presumably uh, this is my interpretation through reading of other people's interpretation i'm not saying i've came up with this on my own but the if you if you see how infidels was originally constructed side one was sort of about the world on the brink and how people were reacting to uh, armageddon coming and then side two is more about a personal reaction of the home and the hearth and about um this individual narrator's response and the the women in his life and how they're responding to the world around them. And it was very distinctive. And then he sort of blurred all that when he went and, and, and messed with the album. And it's funny, Tyrone, you mentioned about sort of discovering this record and being like, wow, what is this thing? There's a, a great story I had heard uh, in the 90s from Wyclef Jean. Uh, I read this article about people talking about Dylan. I think it was right around when Time Out of Mind came out and he was, mm-hmm. Dylan was sort of, sort of back, as it were, and there was a lot of tributes. There was a lot of magazines, you know, people getting interviews about, oh, who was your influence? And Wyclef Jean told this great story about that he came home uh, one day. Um, he was at college, and he came home for, for you know some semester break, and his older brother had infidels. And his older brother was playing infidels all the time. And Wyclef Jean said when he first heard it, he was first heard Jokerman. He's like, what is this? And then the more he listened to it, he was like, Man, what is this? You know, like he really fell in love with it through Infidels and through Joker Man. And of course, many years later, Bob Dylan would appear in a Wyclef Jean video <laughs> for the for the song Gone Till November. There's a line about um, about Bob Dylan and Dylan's in the video, which I love. And I'm like, what an amazing thing to think to be like 18 year old Wyclef Jean, and you're hearing this record, and then 20 years later, the guy get you get to hang out with the guy. Like, <laughs> how cool is that? That's amazing. That's 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 a great story. Um, you may, it, you mentioned oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say to that effect about mixing around to it, then do you think Sweetheart Like You would have been on a different side or different? I think it was. I think yeah. Sweetheart Like You was supposed to be on side two. He yep. moved it around. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Carmen Infantino and for people yeah. who don't know what we're talking about, this, of course, was one of uh, the earliest music videos. Yeah. Uh, Bob Dylan had done a couple of videos for Infidels. Again, they were really trying to make a big splash with this. There is a video for Sweetheart Like You, which is pretty low key. It's pretty much just Bob and the band playing at a bar, and there's a woman with a push broom, and he's, you know, it's pretty much what you would imagine. Joker Man, 
the video is much more ambitious. It was produced and directed by George Lois, who was a longtime advertising uh, guy. He worked on uh, he worked at Esquire for many years. A lot of the most famous covers of Esquire were George Lois's. So they handed this video over to him, and the video is a uh, flashes back and forth between. Bob singing the choruses, barely lip syncing to the chorus, barely bothering to, to lip sync to the choruses, and then a series of of imagery, uh, mostly constructed of famous works of art. Uh, it was something that George Lois at the time referred to, and I quote, as poetry right in your fucking face. Yeah. That was the word he used because it literally has the lyrics to the song over these images yes. and. At one point during the Joker Man refrain, we see an animated image of Carmen Infantino's drawing of the Joker with the words ha 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 flying in animation. So when I was a kid and I wasn't into Bob Dylan, I certainly saw this video because I watched MTV, you know, because it was in the early days of MTV. I watched it till my eyes bugged out of my head. I was so excited to see like a comic book thing in a video. That was so cool. And to me, I always wondered, wow, does, does he read Batman? <laughs> does he Watch or does it, or you know then in, was, then from what you're saying was the director's uh, discretion possibly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, some of the imagery is is you know right on the nose when he gets to the line about uh, you're a manipulator of crowds, you're a dream twister. They show Hitler. Well, okay, you know, yeah. Uh, and then there's the line about fools rush in where angels fear to tread. There's shots of uh, uh, soldiers heading into Vietnam. So I mean, it's not the most subtle in the world. At the same time. There are pictures, there are images from famous paintings and think about, you know, MTV in 1983, who was trying to show, you know, pieces of fine art to the MTV crowd in 1983, you know, again, it's a pretty ambitious video. I like it a lot. I think it's a, it's a very well thought out piece. It's a, it's a, it's a short film. It really, it's not just a music video. It's a short film. But I, I think to the to the effect that they, what the impression was that if he's coming back, the record company and everything else, here's this wonderful video and to put the text on it so you don't miss what's going on because it's going to hit at you so fast through it. And then the animated clips too, you know, the sun, the, the star, the bird. Um, and also the, the one that stuck with me too is the graveyard scene and the, the Kennedys with the arrows and or in, in. right yes yeah 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 um, yeah there's I mean it's it seems to be sort of the sum total of, of all the things that have been going on in the last 20 years there's a uh, a shot of a Hieronymus Bosch painting called the musician's hell mm-hmm. I have to figure that was Dylan's edition <laughs> a little bit there but uh, yeah it's a, it's an amazing video and it actually won the MTV video of the year. Imagine that Bob Dylan getting Bob Dylan has an award with MTV's name on it. That seems inconceivable nowadays. Was he he at the awards? Did he show up to that one and just he did? No, I don't believe he did. No, No. No. what would he have gone up and warbled something? You imagine that? Oh my God, that would have been amazing. Um, In terms of uh, live versions, uh, the most famous live version of this is probably the one he performed it at the David Letterman show uh, when he when he was on Letterman in 1984, which was an episode of the show. Me and uh, my pal uh, Pat, uh, Pat Butler, did a whole show on that Letterman appearance, and he sings a shortened, rocked up version of Joker Man that is only about three minutes. So most of the lyrics are cut out. It's just a refrain, but it's still very powerful. It's got that punk band he was playing with really does a great job. So. I can imagine if you heard that version and then you bought the record, you're like, what the hell? This isn't the, this isn't the song that I heard. You know, you know what's that? Nevertheless, it's, it's really, really good. I, I enjoy it. Do you like that version? Yeah, I do. I think it's great, too. And it just shows the different interpretations that you can do with it. Yeah. Um, 
It's just fantastic. Does he still play it live in concerts recently? He has only played it uh, only um, 157 times. <laughs> uh, the last time was in 2003 in London, England. So it's he's been, it's been out of rotation for 15 years. He played it. It was the opening song. Uh, at his show at the Roseland Ballroom in October of 1994, and I was at that show. Oh wow! Um, that's the show that I have mentioned in previous episodes, where at the during the encore he brought out Bruce Springsteen and Neil Young. I was at that show, so uh, it was cool to hear Joker Man. I mean, he pretty much leaves his 80s material behind at this point. I don't, I don't remember the last 80s song I've heard him play live. But so 157, not a lot, but also you know more than some other songs. Oh, oh, it's okay. a very it's a very wordy song. I could imagine it's probably, you know, eats up a lot of brain space, so it may not be something that he just pulls out a whole lot. But it's it's too bad because, as I said, it's an amazing song. It's really, you know, it's ambitious. It's huge. It's one of his towering works of the 80s. Have there been any covers of it of note that you've seen? I haven't myself from other bands. I am not familiar with it. I'm not familiar with any cover versions. I can imagine, again, trying to tackle this is pretty, pretty ambitious. And so that's actually a perfect segue. So you covered this song. You, you, what inspired you to try and, and cover it? Because I like the song, and plus the actually the <laughs> that's simple. Yeah, and and the chord flow. Um, he seems to like to have different flow of um, of a certain beats. Like he gets a. Like it's the same with Sweetheart Like You in the sense that there's a certain it's not all multiple chords through the whole song. He gets a certain beat to it, and he sticks with it, and it's repetitive through through the uh, the song. Uh, it gets a flow to it. I think when when I, when I'm when I was just thinking about this the other day is that when I'm going through it is just I think sometimes he he's the type of artist too that he's fiddling around whether it's his piano or in his guitar, and he says you know this this like this. This um, this this thing I'm working out here, it sounds like something I could use, and hmm. and then he just probably put it to we had this work, and then they they worked it together. So I really liked your version. Um, do you want to play a little bit for us? I will try, Robert. All right. <laughs> if I don't uh, bump into anything here.
that? Outstanding. Cool. That's amazing. I am. I'm always so impressed when people I know can create that. That's just baffling to me. And uh, that's wonderful, Taron. I loved it. How, again, how do you would you sit down to write it in terms of like re, rewriting the chords? I mean, how do you uh, do it? It's just amazing. Well, it's like magic to me. Uh, well, basically, there, there's a tab. Uh, there's multiple tabs of it on the internet, and uh, I found one that I liked. But it's the I play it, and it's 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 kind of hard on the on the wrist to do it because it's, it's that strumming thing. Mm-hmm. They can do it like rough, like poof, and it's almost that's probably why it fit with the punk version, the sort of punk version that he did on Letterman, and that's the way that I I felt like the best way to do it. You get, and then you get the chords and you sort of adjust it so it's not right a little bit, and you and to do that. So, oh, it's outstanding. I, I just thought it was terrific. Uh, where can people find that online somewhere if they want to hear the whole thing? Well, it's just on uh, on I think on I'll post it onto YouTube. I have a YouTube, but it's Tyrone Biljan. And uh, I'll, if it's not there, I'll post it. Awesome. We will we will have that link in the show notes because I want everybody to listen to. It. I think it's really remarkable. And I again, I think like not to not to speak for the man, but like I think that's something that Dylan himself would enjoy. I think he likes other musicians, and I think he would like the idea that someone took what he did and then reinterpreted it in a different way. That seems to be what he's really into. So I think he'd love it. I, I think it's terrific. It, yeah, I think it again. It's the flow of the chords and just to. to move it around with that beat, discovering the beat for it and how to play it. But, yeah, it's a great song. I just love it. it. Is. I love it. And, and as you said, it is sadly relevant to, to today. We have people oh, yeah. out there who are, you know, idiot kings running around stumbling, stumbling around and might get us all killed, and that is a Joker man. So, sadly, it's one of these songs that uh, 30 years on is still sort of you know, relevant. It would be great if Bob decided to play it in concert again, but... Uh, you know he's busy with his Frank Sinatra stuff for now. So yeah. I was going to say too. It, it, I think a lot of it is just in that song. Like, hey, if you don't look at the past, you know, you got to learn for the future. Um, and I really think that's that's very strong, big message throughout it. As he said in another one of his songs, uh, you got to get up near the teacher if you want to learn anything. That's uh, I think it's something that that Bob has been trying to teach us for a long time. So, well, Tyrone, um, this was great. I am so appreciative that you were willing to come on to the show and play the song. I think it's just terrific. I was so impressed when you sent me the link. So I'm so happy I finally got a chance to talk to you about this this terrific song. It's just amazing. Again, anybody that wants to watch the video, go to YouTube. Go to Bob Dylan's YouTube channel. There's the video. You can watch the whole thing. You can watch Bob struggle to try and lip sync to the song and, and enjoy the imagery. It's uh, it's really, really beautiful. So is there any place, on, like I said, on YouTube channel? That's where people should go to hear yeah, your stuff? Like uh, my own is Tyrone Belgen, and I do have a YouTube channel, and, and I just do like some videos of stuff that I have I put up. And yeah, that's just my that's just my place to where I do either record stuff and put like, you know, just up there, just to cover some stuff. The odd song that I wrote on my own is up there, too. So. Very cool. Very cool. So we'll have that link in the show notes. So, Tyrone, again, thank you so much for coming on, man. You and I have known each other for a long time. We've never had a chance to talk yeah. uh, sort of in person. This was great. Yeah, more to come, hopefully, with other stuff, too. That uh, Always, Rob. Absolutely. Thank Very you. Cool. Thank you. Um, again, so to everybody, if you want to listen to back episodes of the show, go to the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com, and there we have all the back episodes, and we're always talking Bob Dylan over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and bye. Thank you.